Surprises in the service today. Amen. We got one of our babies from the ministry here on the drum set today. It's been a long time since I laid eyes on him. It's good to see Christian today. Young Christian. Y'all grown. <laughs> Real grown. Proud of him. I think he started drumming on these sets up here, didn't he? Yeah. Reggie told me. He's real good now, though. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Start out in the church and go anywhere, right? Amen. It's good to see you, bro. God bless you today. Glad to see everybody who's in the service today with us. I'm looking forward to the day when we're going to be able to bring all our folk back into the sanctuary. I just want you to know we, we got to stay vigilant. Take care of one another. It's important. I won't keep you long today. I, this has been a strange week for me. Hard work at work. Hard issues to deal with. Funeralizing somebody who's in my youth group is not an easy thing, being a part of that. And that's from my perspective. I can't imagine the perspective of those parents having to deal with that. Chris was 34 years old. I just graduated from law school. Yeah, yeah that hits home, doesn't it? But that's all right. God knows best. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if you are getting yourself mentally prepared to come back into a worship setting. We've been, if you'll walk with me on this just a little bit now, we've been in a very relaxed posture for the last year and a half or so since we've been in this lockdown COVID stance. Very relaxed. Here we go. We've been in a very relaxed posture, and I'm so concerned that he that that we have kind of gotten out of a worshipful setting. You know, if, if the truth be told, it's easy to just roll out of bed in our pajamas and flip the TV on, and and there's the there's the worship setting right there. But I don't know that that's what was intended. I don't know if that's what we were supposed to be doing. And I'm pretty certain that that's not the posture that the Lord wants us in. And in fact, he's been working with me on that, on how we get ourselves mentally prepared to come back into this setting. And it's, it's much, much, much more than simply, simply putting on the right clothes. 
is much, much more important than simply saying the right things. Well, he led me to a scripture in Malachi where apparently they were having the same problems. And let's see today if we can learn uh, from the instruction given uh, from the prophet Malachi, Malachi chapter 1. And specifically, I want to read one verse, and although I'll use much of that first chapter as a foundation. Malachi chapter 1, verse 10 says, Oh, that you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and will not and will accept no offering from your hand. My Lord, what, what, what was going on such that God was so pleased, displeased, that he stopped the prophets, the, the, the priests, told them, I, I wish you'd just shut the doors. Don't even light any fires on the altar because I don't want what you're bringing to me. What you're bringing is, today I want to use as a central, central thought, useless fires. Useless, useless fires. There was a, there was a, a little boy born in Starkville, Mississippi in 1962. His name was Jerry, and his father was a bricklayer. As he grew in the house full of boys that his daddy had, he and his younger, he and his other brothers would go with his daddy to the job site and help out as he was laying bricks. Jerry got to the place where he would join his father on the platform while his younger brothers would throw the bricks up to him one by one. One by one. And he'd stack those bricks for his daddy. He, never, he could never dream that learning how to catch those bricks was preparing him to become one of the most prolific football players in the history of the NFL. One of the best receivers that we've ever had. The Jerry I'm talking about is Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, 19-year veteran of the NFL, 15 years with San Francisco, four years with Oakland. Jerry graduated from high school and went to tiny HBCU, Mississippi, Mississippi Valley State University. And on a football scholarship, he laid the foundation for what was going to be, what's a, what's a, a, a career that's going to land him in the Pro Hall of Fame. Straight out of college, he was drafted in the first round. He was the 16th overall pick in the 1985 draft by San Francisco. He wasn't even the first receiver chosen. No, there were others who were pulled before him. There were two other receivers drafted by him, Al Toon and Eddie Brown, before they even got to Jerry Rice. Anybody know where they are now? Anybody heard of those two receivers? Well, there's a lesson in that. That means you don't have to be first to be the best. Rice has always been known as the hardest, hardest worker in his career, in, in his chosen field. A good example of this comes from a few years ago when he was still with San Francisco. He came to training camp um, early, early, 
Now, this is when he was a, he's been a veteran for a long time. And those of you who don't know, on professional football teams, they have an early training session for the rookies and the newcomers to the team. And then they invite the veterans to join in with them. And he came early to that camp. The uh, San Francisco Chronicle talked to the coach that year, Steve Mariucci, and he was quoted as saying, Jerry wasn't even invited to the camp. We didn't even tell him to come to the training camp. But not only that, he comes in early. He's been here since the beginning of the training camp, and it's no wonder that this guy is the greatest there ever was. He's working harder than the rookies coming in. And we had to tell him, Jerry, you got to go sit down so the younger guys can get some work in on the, on the, on the practice field. That's simply his work ethic. Jerry Rice believed in a spirit of excellence, and it materialized in his playing career. So I ask you today, what is excellence? What is excellence? What do you apply yourself to in that manner? Because I bet you'll go, to the, you'll go all the way with me when we say we expect God to give us excellence. We want the best that God's got every time. He gives us a blessing. We want it to be of the excellence that he's given to us. Excellence. What's, what's excellent in your life? What do you present to the Lord that is excellent? The scripture teaches us that excellence is something that honors God. Watch this. Colossians 3 and 23 says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 reads, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Now I want to compare that to the word mediocre. Excellence compared to mediocre. Mediocre simply means of a middle quality, not good enough. Have you heard, ever heard anybody say this? It's just church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever heard of that? It ain't that deep, is it? You ain't got to put all that into it. Yeah. What difference does it make anyway? You ever heard anybody say, um, it don't take all that? Yeah. It's that kind of thinking that, that's dangerous from a spiritual sense. For one thing, you don't know what it takes for me to express my gratefulness to the Lord. You don't know what I've been through. You don't understand the depths I've had to climb from. You don't know my story. And so when it comes to giving back some praise and worship for the Lord, one person shouldn't compare themselves to another. That's an immature way of thinking about things. If I feel like you need to shout and run, then that's what the Lord has put into me. That's not always theatrics. Sometimes it's just an outpouring of gratefulness. Revelations 3, 15 through 16, John writes, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, and I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. God detests mediocrity. He doesn't want anything that's just so-so, as we say, blasé. He wants your best. Every single time you come to him, 
He wants you to do your best. Now, this is interesting because he does not expect perfection because he knows our frame. He knows that we are simply dust. And so perfection is not required of him, but your best is always the expectation. So in Malachi, he's talking to these, look, this message in Malachi is not, is not directed at the people, it's directed at the priests, the preachers. He's telling the preachers, how can you expect the people to give their best if you're not leading them in that way? So I want you to hear me now. He's saying, wake up, preachers. Wake up. Do your level best to lead them. Stop bringing me so-so offering. Stop bringing me so-so effort. How can you direct my people when you are lazy yourself? God is displeased with mediocrity, less than excellent service. And guess what? I'm standing up here saying he deserves the best that we've got. I'm telling you that when we try to cheat him, it offends who he is as God. He despises any offerings of an inferior quality. What sense does Have you ever gotten a gift from somebody that you knew was cheap and they just gave you some? You just knew this, this, what is this? I mean, just as soon as they handed it to you, you just, what? This is what you're going to give to me? It's not that you didn't appreciate that they gave you something. It's that you were offended that they didn't even think about what they were doing. They just grabbed something on the way out of the little Dollar Tree store to give to you. Not the, a Dollar Tree. You can get some good stuff from the Dollar Tree now. But you know when something is not meant to be really for you. It's just here. Well, God knows that too. If, if, if we've got sense enough to know when it's just so-so, then God knows that as well. And so I want to share with you a few things that I've learned from the study of this lesson in Malachi uh, that I believe will help us prepare ourselves for coming back into this worship setting and prepare ourselves from getting out of this, what I think is a very casual posture that we've been in. Very, very casual. I know we're in an on-demand lifestyle right now. And we want to be able to get the service as we want it, when we want it. I don't have any problem with that. What I'm saying to you is no matter what your circumstance, wherever you are, you ought to enter into a worship setting. If you're going to have worship at your home, then you need to prepare your home worshipfully. You need to create that environment in your home. You don't need, to, I don't think we've gotten to the place now where we're so casual. We wouldn't show up at church with our pajamas on. No, we need to treat God more respectfully than that. And I know somebody's sitting at the house right now saying, well, why I got to go through all that? Well, you don't. You don't. It's a choice you make. It's a choice you make to prepare yourself to be in a proper frame of, frame of mind to be in a worshipful setting with the Lord. And that's what I'm saying. If you're not going to do it right, the Bible says that God told the priest, just shut the doors. Stop lighting these useful fi useless fires. You come to the altar with mediocre offerings. Why even light the fire in the first place? 
if all you're going to do is offer me mediocrity. If you're not going to give me your best, then I don't want the rest, is what he's saying. I deserve more than that. And the truth of the matter is, you know, if you serve him and you understand who he is, then you know he deserves better than that. And so you're selling yourself short. The first lesson I want you to learn out of this is there's always a reason to offer God less than our best. We can always come up with a reason. I don't have enough money to do what I want to do. Money's not a reason. See, we need to understand what was happening during the time of the text. I always tell you, historical context means a lot when it comes to understanding these scriptures. The approximate date was around 430 B.C. The place is Jerusalem. Some years before, the people had returned from exile. They had been exiled for 70 years, and here they are now. They finally gotten back together. Uh, coming back from Babylon, and they came and they found the city of Jerusalem in ruins. It had been just destroyed by the Babylonians and others. And so they start rebuilding the temple, and they start rebuilding the city walls, and they start rebuilding their homes. And watch this now. It's just like anybody else. It's simply human nature that you're going to start paying attention to your home. And they started fixing up the home and spending more time fixing up their houses than they did fixing up the Lord's house. Yeah, they started getting their own families together a little bit more. It's just common sense that people will move this way. You have to be deliberate in your effort to take care of the Lord's space. And they simply fell into human nature. They simply started paying attention to themselves. More than the things of God. <coughs> and I'm convinced that we all do the same thing. Thank you. I'm convinced that we all do the same thing. We all struggle like that from time to time. Not only did they start taking care of their own homes more than the Lord, they started neglecting worship. Oh, yeah. <coughs> they started neglecting the normal process of worshiping the Lord. They didn't go to church anymore. They didn't go to the temple. And I've noticed this while we've been out in this COVID stance. Some folk need to go to church, y'all. Some folk need church as a structure in their life. Because when they're not in that posture, they tend to slip back into some old, not-so-good ways. They need the walls of structure, and when we're not there, we struggle. And so get yourselves ready to come back into the structure of life that includes the regular worship of the Lord. But we can always come up with a reason for not doing it. You know, i got to work overtime, uh, it's an opportunity here for me to make a little bit more money so I can do uh, this and that for my family. And the reasons for doing so are probably the same reasons that you and I use right now. Life hasn't changed that much. They usually say, well, I would do this for the church, but uh, I'll get this right here. It's just as good. Just as good for the church. I've learned this. If I'm going to give somebody something, I'm going to give them something I want. <clears throat> not just something I'm trying to get rid of. 
Because if I don't want it, what makes me think they want it? And to think that way is actually looking down at people. In other words, they deserve something less than you would have for yourself. That's a poor way of looking at things. I want to get rid of this, so hey, I'll give it to you. Things haven't changed with people. They were doing the same thing. They were going to the buy one, get one shelf when they were making offerings <laughs> for the Lord. You know, they, were, they weren't going to top shelf. Y'all know what top shelf is. When we, when we really want to go out and do something, we go top shelf. Yeah, yeah, we know what top shelf means, yeah. But, but, but they weren't going top shelf for the Lord. They were going top shelf for themselves. And the Lord says, I always need and deserve top shelf. They were also giving him leftovers. Leftovers. Now, who wants, who wants now, who, in the realistic sense, who wants your leftovers? I understand you eat your own or you take your own leftovers or whatever is there, but the Lord certainly doesn't deserve our leftovers. Now, and look at this. Now, he doesn't deserve your leftover money. He doesn't deserve your leftover money. The money, after you go get everything you want, then you turn around and you break off a little change for him. <coughs> That's not how he told you. Please forgive me this morning. That's not how he told us to be involved with him. There's an order to our support of the church. And when you put things in order, everything works out all right. Not only that, sometimes people don't support the Lord like they, they, like they could because they just got a bad attitude. Yeah, sometimes they just give him less than the best, but sometimes they just got a bad attitude. They don't care what they offer and how they offer it. That was Cain's problem. If you really break it down, the problem with Cain and Abel was an attitude problem. Abel loved the Lord enough to give him the very best that he had, and Cain just didn't care. And whenever you're around somebody that just don't care, you need to be very careful, because if they don't care about other things, and certainly themselves, they don't care about you either. Watch yourself when you're around those circumstances. God had blessed Abel the same way, I mean, Cain the same way he had blessed Abel. But one person thought about the gift they received differently than the other. And that's what it comes down to. How do you value what God has given you? Are you appreciative of it? And does your service and giving reflect your appreciation for what God has given to you? There's also... Some people simply don't do it because, you know, well, everybody else doing this, so I'm going to do it too. It's popular for them to do whatever bit they're doing. I don't know how they measure their level of service. They just go along with the crowd. This is what everybody else is doing, and why should I do anything any more than anyone else is doing? Well, because your circumstance is not the same as anyone else's service. It's completely different. And so I'm excited to tell you today, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. You can be completely different. Uh, we live, in a, we live in, a, in a world where everybody seems to try to keep up with, with other people. I don't understand that. Because no two lives are alike. If you look on social media right now, all people want to show you is the sameness of success. Everybody is successful, 
at some level. That's all they want to show you. But the reality of it is you need to start asking yourself, and you got sense enough to know this because it goes on with you. When you post that shot on, online, how many other shots did you throw away? Or you disregard before you put that one perfect one up there that shows everybody that life is beautiful today. Everybody's got the same thing going on. They may have taken 50 other shots to get to that one shot that they want you to see in their life. That's simply you trying to project your best. But you'll spend that time projecting your best and not do it when it comes to taking care of your relationship with the Lord. Doesn't he deserve the same level of excellence? So know this, that in your relationship with the Lord, he deserves the best, and there's always a reason to offer him less than our best. You've got to make the choice. You also need to know that your level of service reveals your attitude toward God. Yeah, what you are willing to do for him shows the level of appreciation you have about what he's done for you. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think that there's enough I can do for the Lord and what he's done in my life. I, I, don't, I don't know there's not a waking moment that I shouldn't be doing something for him. Uh, the songwriter said, as good as God has been to me. As good as God has been to me. I can't afford not. I think the same thing is true for most of us if we look at it in that context. Now, if you think that what's been going on in your life is because of your own ability, then maybe you don't want to praise the Lord like that because you don't give him credit for what's been going on. But I know I've gotten better than I put in. I know I've gotten more than I could have gotten by myself. I know he's blessed me abundantly more than I could even think or imagine. And if it had not been for him, then it would not have happened. I know this. If I had simply gone with my own plan for my own life, it would have been far less than what God has blessed me with. I got sense enough to know that God has been so faithful to me and I don't have any problem letting anyone know that he has blessed me that way. So when you look at me and folks say to me, why don't you sit down somewhere? Why are you always going and coming? I just can't go and come enough because I know he's been that good to me. I know he's been so wonderful in my life. All the things I didn't have in my life, I didn't miss because he made up for them in so many other ways. I don't have to sit back and pine over what could have been because he's been so good, so good to me. My attitude ought to reflect my actions, and perhaps I say this and you might look, maybe your attitude does reflect your actions. You need to think and pray about that. Does your attitude reflect that you love him and you just can't tell it all? So good. I just can't tell it all. Not only that, Third thing I want to tell you is that service to the Lord is supposed to cost you something. Yeah, it's supposed to take something from you. You're supposed to limit yourself in some capacity to benefit him. Didn't he do it? I know he did when he saved us from our own sins. Didn't he limit his own household by giving his own son Jesus? It cost him dearly to take care of us. And it ought to cost you something, too. Yeah, when you love somebody, when you love somebody, when you really love somebody, won't you dig deep? Won't you go in debt 
just trying to do something to show them how much you love them. I believe we all know the price of that. Look, Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit from your crops. We forget that no matter how deep we dig, no matter how far we go into our pocket or into our service, we can't ever match the level of giving that God has given to us. God has never cut corners when it comes to taking care of us. He's always provided in a way that's made sure we've got the very, very best that he has. The cost of serving God with excellence means that you have to give up something in your own life. Somebody ought to say amen on that. I'm not an amen asking for a preacher. I'm not. But somebody ought to say, yeah, I got to give up something in order to bless the Lord. I got to give up some sleep. I got to give up some time. I got to give up some resources. I got to give up some relationship. I got to give up something if it means serving the Lord with, with excellence. Excellence takes a lot out of us. Not only that, excellence is usually dealt with in the details. It's the details of life that make the difference. Not the macro, but the micro make the difference when it comes to serving, serving the Lord. Not the big picture, but the small picture. It's the time I spend with him, myself, sacrificing time. It's the, it's the time that I go for him, myself, not when I... Not when I encourage other folk to do it, but when I do it myself, that makes the difference in how we serve him with excellence. And look, my picture of serving him with excellence is different than your picture. My job that I have to do for him is different than your job that you have to do for him. He has special requirements for Reverend Sparks. He expects Reverend Sparks to do certain things. He's gifted Reverend Sparks with some things. He's gifted Reggie and T with some things. He expects them to utilize what he's giving you. He doesn't give it to you for you to sit on it. No, no, no. He doesn't give it to you for just to benefit you. It's for kingdom building that he blesses you with these things. And you ought to be working hard to use it for kingdom building. Excellence takes daily diligence. Daily diligence. I dare say I can ask Reggie if there's ever been a day in his life since music became predominant that he hadn't thought or dealt with music. Ever a day in his life. Every single day. Something about music is being dealt with. If it's just a, a song lyric that comes across his mind, across his mind, it's the same for the rest of us. Those who are musically inclined and those who are not. Whatever it is God has given for you to do, it's something you ought to be working toward every single day. <coughs> our duty to the Lord is to live as stewards of what he's given us take care of it and use it for his service and that means the last thing is that God expects us and deserves nothing less than the very best we have at every turn at every turn best doesn't mean perfection this is where a whole lot of folk in church will trip you up all these folk got to tell you that if, I'm a perfectionist, and if it can't be perfect, then I don't want to do it. Well, they've just, they've just told you an untruth, because no one is a perfectionist. Yeah, even that attitude is, is wrong. No one can be a perfectionist because no one does everything perfectly. Yeah, our best simply means that we are giving him the best that we have. 
the best that we have to give him. Charles Swindle said this, excellence is a difficult concept to communicate because it can easily be misread as neurotic perfectionism or snooty sophistication, but it is neither. On the contrary, it's the stuff of which greatness is made. It's the difference between just getting by and soaring. That which sets apart the significant from the superficial, the lasting from the temporary, perfection. Perfection simply means that everything that God gives me to do, I do it to the best of my ability, and I do it consistently and with love. Can I break it down for you? Yeah, the, the person who brings, who, the person who comes into the church and opens it up every Sunday. That's what God has given them to do. You don't even think about it. How is the church lit and warmed and available for you when you come in every Sunday? It's because someone has said, this is my reasonable portion, Lord, and I get up in the cold before everybody else. I'll come down to the building myself before everybody else. Why? Because that's what you've given me to do. People don't have to know who I am. I don't have to be out front. It doesn't have to be such that people cheer me and say my name. But this is my service to you, Lord. That's what we're talking about when it comes to giving excellent service to the Lord. He is worthy of our best efforts. Psalm 145 and 3 says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness we can't even fathom. Revelations 4 and 11 says, you are worthy, our God and our Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have your being have their being. And if you or someone else who's been cheating God, I came to tell you today, you can stop right now. He ain't mad at you. You can stop right now. Stop offering God those half sacrifices, those contemptuous sacrifices, and simply start doing the best you can from where you are. It doesn't have to be a Herculean task. Just simply say, this one thing I do, Lord, I'm going to do my best to give it to you. This one thing, not everything at once, but start today saying, I'm going to give my best to you today, Lord, in this way. Don't slap something together and pretend it's okay. Don't just, don't just wait to the last minute to give the Lord something and then say, here's my offering. i tell you what, the songwriter said it best. He said, I give myself away. I give myself away. If you give him your heart and all that comes with it, we always say if God has your heart, everything else falls into place. Do your best to present yourself as somebody who loves God with all his heart and he'll be pleased with that. So why? Why? Why should we give our best, Cass? It's simple, because he did. He looked around heaven to see what we needed in order to become his children, his people again. And the best he could give us was the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. He didn't hesitate. He didn't hesitate to give us the best that heaven could afford for us to have a right relationship with us. He gave us his best 
And I love the song that Tasha Cobb sang, He'd Do It Again. No matter how awful we've been, he'd do it again. No matter how worthy we have been, he'd do it again. No matter how ungrateful he's been, he'd do it again, all over again, just to save you. Now think about that, as ungrateful as you've been as disrespectful as you've been. I'm not talking about before you knew him. I'm talking about since you've known him. You've disrespected the gift that he's given you. And yet, I can hear him say, I'd do it again for you. He'd give himself away. He did. That's what Jesus did. He gave himself to us. Now it's time for us to return the favor. If you want to bless the Lord, stop lighting all those useless fires. Start giving him the best that you can. And I guarantee you, he'll continue to love you and serve you and give you the excellence that heaven can afford. May God bless you today.